Hey, song surfers, welcome to Song Surfing. It's your friend, John. Song Surfing is a playlist of independent music pulled from the far reaches of the internet. It's an interview episode today on Song Surfing, and you've heard our guests before, friends. It's Ryan Klockner of This August Age, aka Correspondent Clock. Ryan Klockner is a DIY musician who crafts his songs in the friendly confines of his bedroom studio. He has a deep-rooted love of string and orchestral-based music, being raised on the Beatles, and traditional classical from an early age. Ryan's full-length debut as This August Age, which is titled Artifacts, is due out October 1st. From it, we previously heard the track Paradise on Song Surfing. It sounds a little something like this. Ryan Klockner, welcome to Song Surfing. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I really was uh, having a hard time figuring out how to talk to you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, because, you know, like we're, we're friends in real life. Yeah. And I call you Clock on the show, and I, I never call you Clock in real life. No. And no. I'm like, do I call him Ryan? Do I call him Clock? Do I call him? What do I call? You just, it's a normal conversation between two long friends. So you can call me whatever you want, just as long as it's not mean. Well, you know, I try to make the, my podcast persona pretty much my, my real life personality, but maybe a little bit more cartoonish, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I'm always thinking like, does this, this seem disingenuous? How is this coming across? Eh, it's no, too it much in my head. It works. It works. You have a you have a good uh, you have a good demeanor. Well, thanks, friend. So let's talk about your album, Artifacts. It starts with a track called "A Note from the Author," and it ends with a track called "Epilogue." It, it seems that the intent there is for it to work as a complete narrative rather than a series of unrelated bits. You know, just a bunch of songs. So, is this a concept album? What's going on here? Yeah. So actually, you're absolutely right. So a note from the author is kind of the uh, the the album set up kind of like a book, a book for my wife, really a book for your wife written to my wife, basically. So the the first track is kind of like the introductory sleeve or the first chapter of a book where it just kind of introduces everything and kind of explains everything. And the last song, it just kind of sums everything up. So it's kind of like the book covers of the book. And then every chapter goes into a different story. What inspired you to write for or dedicated to Kelly, your wife? Really, it was never supposed to be an album. This was supposed to be a mental health exercise that I was working with a therapist. And I was having a lot of trouble you know, coming up with songs and uh, I've, I've been a songwriter for well over 20 years. And, you know, I'm sure if you've written a song, we've all been there where it's like you kind of are stuck in a rut and you don't think anything sounds good. And on top of it, I was working through some issues with my therapist and came... so like mentally you're stuck in a rut and songwriting, you're stuck in a rut. So Both. this was a, a therapeutic exercise, right? It was kind of like a light bulb moment where it was just like, you know what? I can work on this stuff and work on songwriting at the same time. Did the therapist suggest this or was this just an idea you had as you were working through some things? It was one of those ideas that you get when you first wake up in the morning and those are your best ideas. And I'm like, cause I had just come off of a session. I, w I woke up that next morning and I'm like, I could write an album about some of this stuff, like not an album, but I could write songs about this stuff because like I said, it wasn't ever supposed to be an album. It was just supposed to be, I'm going to address each one of these issues I've had over the course of my life individually and put them to music. And I don't care if anybody hears it. I'm not going to put that pressure on myself to make it about getting heard or, or getting on a playlist or even having an interview with you like we're doing right now. And I brought that idea to my therapist and she's like, yeah, do that. Don't put any pressure on yourself. Just get out what you need to get out. It helped because it took a lot of the pressure off of it. And then only after maybe I recorded the first four tracks did I really consider it to be an actual project. So once you got to the point where you're like, all right, 
this is starting to come together as a, a, a bigger, something bigger, right, than just a handful of songs that I've written. Did you have to like have a reckoning with yourself? Like, do I want to share these with people? Like, is it too personal? Absolutely. I was kind of nervous <laughs> about about even sharing them with with my wife because it's about previous relationships that I had. Some of these songs don't put me in a good light, honestly. I was the one that was the problem. It, it's not a bunch of you broke my heart kind of songs where I would they're not bitter blame songs right right a lot I mean there's you know I think one of the ones we're going to play today is is one that it was my fault you know (laughs) so and I I I had to do a lot of soul searching it was a tough process at some points because some of the relationships were difficult have you been in therapy? I mean, maybe this is too personal of a question from the podcast but no let's let it all out man have you been in therapy for a while I've been in some form of therapy over the last maybe four years, kind of on and off, just finding different people and finding the right person. But I found the right person two years ago during the pandemic. It's become something that I need. You know, it's like I can feel like if we take a week off or if I'm, you know, out on the road or something, I start to itch like I need to talk about this. So it's definitely helped me, especially things that have happened over the the past couple of years, because uh, this has just been a crazy, you know, everybody knows how, how nuts these last couple of years have been. Was it hard for you to start therapy? Yes, absolutely. I am not a person to take critique of myself very well. And that was kind of why, to lead back to your other question about, was I nervous about having anybody play or playing the songs for everybody? Yeah, because these songs are so personal to me and are basically autobiographical that if somebody said that they were bad or somebody gave me some kind of critique, I probably would have been crushed and stopped the project dead in its tracks. But Well, this is probably a bad time to tell you, Ryan, that I, I've decided to change format of the show, and it's just a music <laughs> roast show now. Awesome. Let me open that bottle of whiskey right now. <laughs> but yeah, it, so it, it was hard to expose myself that much. Same thing goes with starting therapy. But it's kind of like the snowball effect. Like once you start going and once you start really digging into certain things and figuring out why and it changes you and it, it gives you a sense of relief that, you know, you're, you don't have to deal with things on your own. So let's take a listen to a note from the author and then let's get into talking about the music a little bit. Awesome. Let it go 
Ryan, I love the simple instrumentation on the album artifacts. You have piano, bass, drums, and strings. No guitar. Oh, and voice too. Yeah, no. It, actually, even the uh, the bass is a is a orchestral bass. Oh, it is. Okay. A, not even an electric bass. I'm a really big sucker for strings. I always have been. I love the Beatles and I love orchestral music. Actually, when I was a kid, my grandmother used to drive around listening to the old classical music station, and I would—I I got exposed to that really, really early. So strings just hit with me in a, in a certain way. And at the beginning of the pandemic, I decided that I wanted to do something to improve myself as a musician, because otherwise I'm just going to sit and gain weight, which I did. But... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I want to do something to make myself better because I was struggling as an art, as a songwriter. So I started playing piano and I just, I, I started, I always was able to play piano, but I really focused on like honing in my, my piano playing on those days where there's nothing to do and we can't go out because we're locked down. I just started, and this is how I learned to play. I started as a guitar player. And the way I started learning guitar, as as you know, because we both learned together, we just found songs that we liked and learned them. So I'm like, I'm thinking about that in, in, in learning piano. And I'm like, you know what? I was in concert bands since I was in fifth grade, even earlier. So I'm like, I can read sheet music a little bit. I'm going to start learning songs that I really like on piano just to kind of kill the time. And I just grew to love it. I absolutely fell in love with it. And around that time, Weezer put out a record called OK Human, which was um, no guitars, which for a band like that to have the testosterone <laughs> to to put out a record that is just piano and orchestral music and still make it sound pretty amazing. Yeah, and for that particular band too, like you could see, yeah. you know, like a Radiohead or some, you know, a band, The National, someone like that going in that direction. But Weezer on every one of their albums has been completely guitar driven, right? Yeah, and it's and it's really, you know, it, it, no matter what you feel about Weezer, you know, they, he's always written catchy pop songs. So to do that and not have the major focus of that band being his guitar playing and still making and, and some of the songs on that record, I, I if you haven't listened to it, I encourage everybody to. I, I don't mean to plug Weezer, a huge rock band on this thing, because Big it's about indie independent artists. music. Yeah. So uh but let's, I mean, it's a, it's an amazing album. And, and what's that, what's um, it called again? I know I listened to it a few times and you rec recommended it. To yeah. Me. It's called, it's called okay. Human. I, it was a little play on, on Radiohead's okay computer, which okay. I thought. Yeah. Was I, re I really liked it and better. I mean, I'm not a Weezer fan, you know, so this clicked for me in ways that none of their other music really has. Same. I've always liked Weezer. But this album really like it. So it gave me the like, God, if a band like that can completely strip down and make an album that's just orchestral and piano, I can do that because I love that music. Did having the limitations of instruments make it easier or more challenging to craft the songs? So much easier. Pretty much that entire album is drums, strings, piano, vocals. I did throw a couple extra orchestral. There's a gong in one of the songs and, and some vibraphone, but I didn't stray away from that. And I forced myself to do that because I wanted it to have a similar sound through the entire album, but the songs still sound different. So if you listen to track two and then listen to track seven, they're different sounding styles of songs, but they have the same instrumentation and it's it just made things so much, so much easier for me. Yeah, it makes the album a cohesive listen. So I wanted everything to kind of tie into each other because all these stories tie into each other. Why don't we listen to one of the songs? Cool. So I asked you to pick a couple and then I chose one too. The first one that I'd like to play is Philanderer's Lament. And I love that this tune has 
this uh, dramatic, like almost Broadway sound to it. There's a groove that's pretty awesome too. It's sort of a like a samba groove, I guess. How did that one develop, or what led to some of those arrangement decisions? How did you come, a, you know, upon this samba beat? Most of my mother's side of my family comes from Romania, and they have a certain. Uh, so maybe it's not a samba beat. I got the wrong continent. I was also watching a lot of uh, what we do in the shadows, so I was very <laughs> inspired by uh, vampires and that kind of thing at that time. Uh, and that, it sounded like a really old timey song. The way the riff came, it was just accidental. Actually, I was trying to learn to, how to play another song. Like it's not a rip off of another song. It's it, it, there's similar notes, but I just liked how one section of the song was, and I'm like, I like that. I want to do that. So yeah, you don't want Marvin Gaye to come suing you. Yeah, no, no, I don't want him coming back from the grave. To get <laughs> or yeah, again. Marvin Gaye's estate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I pretty much kept each song in the tone of how that certain relationship was. I was angry at myself. And so I wanted this song to be a little more, I didn't want it to be a slow ballad. I wanted it to be, you know, I messed up. I like the title. I think it uh, sums up what we're going to hear, uh, not just in content, but also in tone, right? Like philanderer, womanizer, and lament. To have like the womanizer's lament, it's like, it's a judgmental title, <laughs> right? Like it's judging the subject of the song, which I guess is yourself, right? If you're writing it from your point of view. I made a mistake in a relationship and I regretted it and I gave myself a lot of guilt from it. That's, again, something that carried with with me my whole life, basically, even though it was years and years ago, I was angry at myself and it is judgmental, but it's also like explaining to myself to be like, yeah, I did this, but here's why. All right, let's take a listen. This is This August Age with the song Philanderer's Lament. Talk to you in a minute, Ryan.
So, Ryan, you and I spent a lot of our early years playing together, basically learning how to play guitar together, learning how to write songs. Well, you mentioned learning to play songs. Uh, but when did you start making music? Because you already had played in, in band bef- before you and I met. Tell us about your past. My grandfather was a saxophone player in the U.S. Navy band. My great-grandfather played in big bands, played the trumpet in big bands. So it was always kind of... It was always kind of assumed that music would be part of my life whenever I was ready to do it. So around, I I always kind of had, there's pictures of me at like four years old playing with a a plastic guitar. I started playing trumpet when in in fifth grade, um, which I don't know, you're the teacher. How old are you when you're in fifth grade? It's like 10, 12, 10. Okay. So 10. Did you like it? Did you practice? Were you a good band student, Ryan? I, I was a terrible band student. Even even at my peak, I was, <laughs> I, was a, I was a terrible band student. I didn't practice, but one thing I could do is is I was able to figure things out by ear pretty easily even even then. Um So you like, were probably one of the, the better players in the band even though you never took the instrument home. No, I mean I took it home, but it usually just you know sat. <laughs> Technicality, sat Ryan. On, sat. <laughs> hey, I'm just trying to clear my name here. Um, Save it for the second album, buddy. Uh, that'll be the that'll be the uh, the mental health focus of that. My ever loving regret of leaving the instrument in the case when I got yeah. home. Oh, hey, did you? Um, I'm totally uh, changing the subject here, but we'll come back to it. Did you? Do you ever listen to Pedro the Lion? Yeah. So yeah. their latest album ha- is uh, what is it called? My first drum set. It's the, they have mm. a song about being in band, playing the clarinet, and then falling in <laughs> love with drums and switching instruments. And it's about their interactions with the in the band room and with the band teacher and their first time hearing awesome. someone play drum set. And I think like for anyone who has been in school band and hung out in the yeah. band room, like it totally stirs up a lot of a lot of emotions and memories. You should go check that oh, out if yeah, you haven't heard I- it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I had that too. Once I got to high school, I, I didn't want to be a music, you know, back in the early nineties used, I mean, it's still kind I think nerds are kind of, kind of more accepted now, but band geeks were, they were kind of picked on back then. So when I got to high school, I was like, I don't want to be in the band anymore. I want to play football. And so I tried to convince my parents, like, I want to quit band and I want to, I want to play sports. And thankfully they were like, absolutely not. Cause I suck at sports. Like I love sports, but I'm <laughs> terrible at it. <laughs> They're both looking at each other side eyed <laughs> when you're telling them. Yeah. That. My, my, yeah. Like, uh, you probably should stick to music. You're actually decent at that. So <laughs> Um, yeah, my dad was, was really instrumental on that and being like, I know you don't like it. I know it's hard, but you, you can, you can do this. And I'm so glad he did because, well, and I was also a trumpet player and I was like a fifth trumpet player. And for those that don't know, there's usually five or six trumpet players in the band and you have your first chair, your second chair. I was all the way at the end. So I was kind of riding the bench, and I I didn't have any really exciting parts, and it was kind of boring. It was kind of a knock on my, uh, it's kind of a knock on my confidence. But after my freshman year, I got to move to Euphonium. Uh, my band teacher was, I mean, it, that changed me because he he switched me instruments, and I got to sit next to one of my best friends, and because he played baritone too, and then he moved away, and I, I was the only one, so I wasn't competing for chairs with anybody, and I could just do what I wanted to do with the instrument, and I really embraced it then. And then I met this long-haired Kurt Cobain wannabe at lunch. I'm talking about you. Oh. Uh, <laughs> We had similar music interests. You had a guitar in your house, and and we just 
we just gravitated toward it. it. It's so funny because like we're doing this interview and it's like, I'm just thinking back to the days where we were, you know, like recreating Kurt Cobain interviews in your, <laughs> in your, in your kitchen. No, um, it's, it's funny though, because this is kind of like a callback to what you're talking about with therapy. You don't change, right? Like there are always those bits of your personality and your interests that stay with you. And even though you do evolve, I, I suppose there's still those core elements. And so, yeah, it totally makes sense that we were doing uh, recording interviews on a boombox in what was it, 1995 or whatever. Yeah. And now 30 we were, years later, here we are. <laughs> we spent that entire summer just learning music and it was great like you, you see those those movies about glory days when you were a kid and like that those that one summer that that shaped you and and man that one did for me it, it gave me a whole different sense of what i wanted to to be musically and that i wanted to write songs so that's really where and then as soon as i started getting comfortable on guitar i wrote a song actually if you ask my dad i wrote a song when i was like three years old and i had a a, a plastic fame guitar fame was like this tv show back in the 80s and i wrote a song called get out of here and that was a family joke for forever so i think something in in <laughs> in me always wanted to be a songwriter since i was a since i was a little kid all right let's listen to another song ryan cool so i want to play the tune tattoo and what initially drew me about this one was the the fun familiar sound that it has i imagine hearing it in in like a warm pub on a cold winter's day but i I like then we talked about this a bit earlier that the lyrics aren't bitter uh, which i think would be the easy go-to if someone were writing a song looking back on a failed relationship no it's not bitter at all some relationships just don't work. Some people are better suited as friends than than being in a relationship together and that's kind of what tattoo is about. Yeah, it's it's just a it's a no hard feelings kind of song, so the tone and the the tempo and just the feel of the song is is more upbeat and more I mean not necessarily fun, but it's 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 more of a it's it's more than a, a a sad ballad. Well, I hear it as fun, Ryan. It does feel like that was kind of the that that was kind of what I was going for with it. It, it had a very like umpapa kind of circusy feel, so I wanted it to I wanted it to be a little more up, upbeat. Yeah, I love that. All right, let's listen. This is this August stage with tattoo. Thank you. 
Hey, Ryan, let's do some word association. I'll say some words and you say the first thing that comes to mind, uh, say as much or as little as you feel like. <laughs> oh, okay. We're, we're doing the therapy session. Cool. Comfort. Home. Joy. Music. Feelings. Hurt. Love. Kelly. Ah. <laughs> Progress. Future. Therapy. Necessary. Do you feel uh, that therapy is for everyone? I mean, I'm not in any position to tell anybody what's what's good for them or, or what they need to do. For me, I don't think I would have survived things that happened to me over the last couple of years with the pandemic and I lost my mom to COVID and, and a lot of deep stuff happened in, in the last couple of years. And I don't think I would have mentally made it through if I didn't have an outlet for it. And I am so thankful and I am so indebted to the mental health community for leading me through that. And if it helps anybody, I encourage it. In therapy, I've, I've basically discovered this mantra that I tell my, I have to repeatedly tell myself all the time. And it's not just a, like a one quick fix, but I have to repeat this thing to myself all the time. It's, it, you can't control anybody's actions or what anybody does except how you react and how you feel about it. So if you're holding on to things that other people did, you're not going to change it. But when you change your attitude towards things and when you change how you respond to things and how things affect you, that's where the real change happens. And that ties into the the, the album, right? Like the title being Artifacts. Yeah. You're viewing this, these as, uh, you know, you're documenting events and feelings toward them and then moving on. Yeah. The artifacts were dug up. And then they were reburied correctly. I can move on and live my life and be a better husband to my wife and let those things just just be and not have them flood my mind anymore subconsciously or consciously. We didn't get to talk about the charity that your proceeds from your album are benefiting. Tell us about that. The official release date of the album is actually October 1st, but I'm going to release it a week early exclusively on on Bandcamp. All the proceeds, 100% of the proceeds are going to go to uh, NAMI Chicago. Um, you can find them at NAMI Chicago on Instagram or Facebook or anything. They're a wonderful mental health organization that do, that do that's located in Chicago. They just do amazing things for people. All right, let's listen to a song that you picked out. We're going to hear Carousel. Why'd you choose this one? This song is one of the deep emotional ones. This one was a very hard one to get through. And it was actually, there's a funny story to this one. This wasn't even supposed to be the song. I had another song written for this chapter. I finished it. I recorded the vocals for it. I had all the instruments for it. And the more I listened to it, I was just like, this isn't saying what I wanted to say. I'm hiding behind you know, entendres and stuff like it's so I scrapped it and total, which is definitely not me. Usually I'm once I finish the song, it's like, all right, thank God I got it done. But I, I, yeah, I threw this one away and I wound up writing Carousel. So this it's a special song for me. There was a lot of it, it's a big artifact. <laughs> I'll just say that. And I, I just want to say quickly, because I, I hope I'm not giving off the impression that any that I'm trying to slander anybody if for some reason anybody hears us these are my personal views and you know if they remember things differently i apologize but um this is just what i needed to do all right let's uh let's go ahead and listen to this this is this august age carousel talk to you in a minute Around on 
All right, Ryan, what's a lesson that you've learned along the way? One of the hardest things I think any songwriter, I'm sure you agree with this, is being okay with your 
your limitations and being okay with the things that you aren't necessarily the strongest at or the things that you would cringe at when you listen back to recordings. And I'm, I'm speaking mainly to songwriters here because I'm sure we have all beat ourselves up on this. And, and sometimes when you take yourself and, and it's so cliche, but it's like sometimes when you take yourself out of that regular mindset of I need to write a song so I can put it out on Spotify and I can get some listeners and I can write an album and blah, blah, blah. I had a really hard time with, with writer's block and songwriting gave me a lot of anxiety and I didn't put a lot of stuff out for a long time because I was so overcritical of myself and I was so worried that I had to be doing things in a certain way and, and all that stuff. Sometimes you just have to let go and just be who you are and write. And like, I can't make up a story of, I mean, I have before, but it's like, I, I can't come up with some fake story to write a song about. Like, you know, I have to, I have to, write about emotional stuff and stuff that's personal to me. And sometimes you just have to own the things that you do well. And for a long time, I was afraid of writing emotional songs because I didn't want to let anybody in like that. And, and to be able to drop that guard into it, it's helped me so much. So give yourself credit. That's something that I learned. I talked a lot about therapy in this, um, Therapy is okay. If you want to make yourself better, it, it's it's okay. And it's, it should be normalized. You know, it should be like going to a doctor to, you know, <laughs> fix another ailment. You know, if you got a fever or something or you got a, you got a broken bone or something, it, it should be just as regular as that. Because it's done a, a done a world of difference, and I think a lot of the problems that are going on in this world right now, if people would stop and just talk to somebody and let their feelings out in a more positive way, I think everybody would be a lot happier right now. Well said, man. Thanks. Yeah, I was nervous about doing this interview, Ryan, because, you know, we're best friends. We talk all the time. I was like, what am I going to ask Ryan that we haven't already talked about. Am I going to forget things? How do you, do you think it went okay? I think it went awesome. I'm, I'm very, I'm look, I've been a, a fan of your stuff and what you're doing as long as I've known you and your interview skills have, I have been really good. These last you, they've always been good, but these last few interviews were really good. You're coming into your own. So I was excited about doing this interview because I know we have a natural conversation. You know what? I'm I'm glad to hear you say that because at first I was a little skeptical of that deal with Satan that I made, <laughs> you know, to improve my interview skills was really worth the cost. But now I'm really starting to, to, to see the results. I so. think it was a good deal, man. I think I think you did great. I mean, the price is pretty high, though, but <laughs> eh, you'll deal with that later, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a tomorrow problem. Eh, yeah, yeah. You know. Don't deal with it now. Uh, where can people find you and your music? Main main place. Uh, I again, please. You know, if you have any interest in in listening to my music, or just even if you don't like the music, consider donating uh, to NAMI Chicago. Any of the proceeds that come from my Bandcamp sales will go directly to them. But you can find me on. All the streaming sites, Spotify, Amazon, Apple Music, iTunes. You can follow me on Instagram. And this is all under the name This August Age? This August Age, yeah. I'm not at that popular point where if you type in This August Age, I immediately come up. So you have to kind of look for me. I have. Uh, you can go to thisaugustage.com. I'll have all the information there as well as... Uh, the liner notes for the album and some more information and, and, and links to, uh, to those charities. And song surfers, I'll have all this linked in the show notes. Uh, just a really easy thing you can do though, uh, for Ryan or with, with any of the 
people that you hear on, on song surfing is just on whatever streaming app you use, or if you're a Bandcamp user, just click follow once you find that page so you don't miss the releases. This way you'll get notified when Artifacts is released. Yeah, and you don't know, I mean, for independent artists like this, that one follow means a lot, especially stuff like this. I know this is uh, a different genre of music than what's what's popular now that follow or that Instagram like or that download you know for us independent artists it means it means a lot I applaud you John for giving the independent artist a way to show their their stuff and for people to hear it and I hope you guys uh, I hope you guys continue to do what you do well Ryan Klockner thanks so much for being on song surfing can I give a couple plugs actually real quick yeah absolutely I just want to give a, a, a couple quick shout outs to number one, you, if you guys haven't listened to Oodles Life After Death, man, listen to that record. John, you do a great job of plugging everybody else, but I think somebody needs to plug you. You always wait till the end of the show to plug yourself, but man, guys, listen to, listen to Oodles. That album's phenomenal. Oh, thanks. Secondly, uh, yeah, my wife, Kelly my dad and the memory of my mom and to uh jamie farnell from fretless audio who who did the engineering on it my my bloke over in leeds this is my first time ever releasing something professionally quote unquote like this and and all you guys you uh bags all all you guys have been so supportive and great and i i really really appreciate it all right thank you very much Ryan, thanks for being here. This is great. Wonderful, wonderful time. And I'll, I, I hope to do it again soon. Can't wait to do another segment with you. All right, that music. It means it's time for me to say thanks for listening to Song Surfing. Thanks to Ryan Klockner, a.k.a. This August Age. You can find his album Artifacts over on Bandcamp right now and on all other streaming platforms October 1st. You can find links to Ryan's music as well as a link to mental health organization NAMI Chicago over on the show notes page at songsurfingpodcast.com. If you like the show, please take a moment to five-star rate and review over on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, or if you're not an Apple person, over on the Podchaser site or app. Those reviews help the show continue to find a wider audience. And thanks so much to those of you who've already rated and written reviews. It's so cool that you took the time to do that. Those sites are linked for your convenience in the show notes. Friends, if you like podcasts, chances are you'll love audiobooks. Audible is the leading provider of audiobooks. And if you go to audibletrial.com slash songsurfing or follow the link in the show notes, you can get a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. Cha-ching! If you decide to continue your membership after those 30 days are up, then that'll help support song surfing. Okay, if you'd like an audiobook recommendation, check out How Music Works by David Byrne. It's a collection of essays on songwriting, listening to music, thoughts on how technology has changed music and vice versa, and it's just fascinating. And I should add, it's very pleasantly narrated by Andrew Garman. It's a nice listen. AudibleTrial.com slash songsurfing. The opening theme of the show, Living in a Fishbowl by Josh Ween. The outro music that you're hearing now is Little Pills by Patrick Moonbird. My name's John Kell, and here's someone familiar with our see you next time message. Hey, this is Ryan from This August Age, and see you next time.